0: Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of yon McCool, Cool Cullen, Deirdre, of the sorrows, Grown, your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the drooping and solitary. And most of are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself, about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. O'Lehan. I am your host and your fireside bard. Welcome to episode sixty-three of the Irish Storytelling Podcast. We are coming to you as always from the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network Studio here in Dublin. We are very delighted to be back for episode sixty-three of Fireside. First of all, I want to if it's your first time listening, you're very welcome along. Listen to this episode, see how far we've come, then why don't you go back right back to the very beginning and start the journey and see where we came from and what we've been building to over the last year and a little bit. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support, as always. Please do continue to leave ratings, subscriptions, and comments on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram, at Fireside Bard, all one word. It is the best place to hear updates about the podcast and about what I'm doing personally. And if you really are enjoying the podcast, you can, of course, subscribe to the Patreon page. This podcast is entirely a labor of love, which, uh, and a great, great joy and great labor it is indeed. And your support financially does not in any way dictate the output that we will put in the future. But if you do, if I'm someone you think you would buy buy a pint or a cup of coffee for as blind boy would say then you can play pledge at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast and i would just like to thank again um our current patrons ollie gray connor phelan Colin vance kit mallow cal dry and now i would like to welcome our new top patron miss emily brady thank you so much to all of you for your very generous donations they are incredibly they are incredibly appreciated and uh really really do make us feel like we could make this uh, a job which is great but as i was it but we do continue i will always continue to write and release this podcast for free it is my favorite thing about the podcast medium is that it can go all around the world for free and that's what's most important because these are folklore stories at the moment at, at the end of the day and these should be shared out shared and shared alike for free but the next announcement that I have is that we are doing another live show. I am absolutely delighted to be to announce another edition of Fireside Sessions on the 10th of April right here in the podcast studios in the brand new venue downstairs in the Headstuff in the Headstuff uh, Podcast Network Studio. It's Dublin's newest live venue. It's where we had the show for the Dublin Podcast Festival, which was a great experience and, again, a huge learning curve. And I'm really excited to do another edition of Fireside Sessions. If you haven't been to one before, Fireside Sessions is the live show of Fireside. It mixes tales of folklore and mythology with the stories behind our greatest folk songs, all through the true and personal yarns of me and my very special guests. And we'll be very happy to announce a guest or two in the coming weeks. And so that is going to be Friday the 10th of April in the podcast studios. Tickets will be available at eventbrite.ie. All information on my Instagram page at Fireside Bard. The theme this time is Folk Friday. We are going to be having our show on Good Friday, celebrating the second every year that Irish pubs have been open on Good Friday. So we're going to make it our own day and it's going to be a Folk Friday indeed. All that and more at the Fireside Sessions on the 10th of April. I hope that some of you can join us. But now we're going to get down to the story. This was a great gem that I found a couple of weeks ago in uh, in the incredible book of Meeting the Other Crowd, which I've been gaining my which I've been picking up my last few folktales from. Uh, Meeting the Other Crowd, The Fairy Stories of Hidden Ireland, written by Eddie Leenhan and Carolyn Eve Green. Uh, it's been a huge, huge gold mine of uh, of new folktales that I haven't previously discovered and I, that's ultimately what I want to discover more and more folktales, especially as we come towards the end of the Irish mythic cycle, which is crazy that we're nearly at the end of all four cycles of Irish mythology, but it's great to know that there is still such a wealth of Irish folklore out there to explore and discover and share. So this is the story of the Fairy Frog, which I will let speak for itself, and we will chat more afterwards. This is the Fairy Frog on Fireside. Once upon a time, there were two poor farmers living on rented land. The couple were blessed with a baby girl and even more blessed because that baby grew into a beautiful young woman. And her appearance is relevant, because at that time it was seen as a great misfortune if a couple living on rented land had a beautiful daughter. This was because of an ominous foreboding that their landlord would come to the house demanding the daughter like she was the rent, and if the parents refused... They risked eviction, starvation, and destitution. It was a tragic and cruel position no parents should ever be put in. Because of this, once the farmers realized their child was going to be a looker, they became incredibly secretive about her. Never taking her out in public, schooling her from home. They loved her dearly, but this was all for her own protection. For her part, the daughter loved her parents, but this reclusive upbringing only made her adventurous spirit grow more and more restless. All the girl had were stories from books, of the other folk, the good people, the fairies. She longed to meet them, that they might take her away and show her the world, or at least show her somewhere other than her own family farm. One of the few excursions the daughter was allowed to go on was walking the family's one dairy cow. The cow was not only the family's livelihood, but it was as close as the girl had to a friend. The poor child. But love that cow dearly, she did. While out for their daily walk, the girl and the cow rested by a pond. The girl sat daydreaming. Willing the pond to become an ocean she'd read of, that she could swim and sail in. Her dream bubble was popped by the sudden guttural sound of a frog. The girl jumped, yelped, and turned around to see a large frog sitting on a rock, staring at her. With that vacant stare frogs are known for. Well, as much as you may know that. For her part, the girl knew what a frog was, and that they were not uncommon to Ireland, but she had actually never seen one this close, or this large. Hello there, said the girl. The frog stared blankly. He may have blinked. Can they blink? Then a thought entered the girl's mind. She said to the amphibian, Meeting you is the most exciting and adventurous thing that's ever happened to me and that's so depressing I think I may cry the frog looked at her sympathetically well not really it looked at her the only way it could but the girl saw what she wanted to see at this stage all I want is to meet the fairies to see life through their eyes have a real adventure is that so much to ask the frog's look told her that it was Or it wasn't. I can't express how expressionless this frog was. He looked like he'd seen it all and realised that it was all nothing. But once the girl had finished her piece, he filled his gullet, let out a hearty croak and hopped back into the pond. The girl didn't know what she was expecting in response. But once her excitement for the day was through, she took her friend slash life source slash cow by the rope round its neck and led them both home. A week passed, and the farmer's daughter thought no more about the frog. But then a night came, where as the girl lay sleeping lightly in her bed, she was awoken by a gentle yet firm tap at the window. The girl got a terrible fright, and was about to scream, but strange as it seems, was comforted by the sight she saw out the window. It was a large figure with a warm face who looked at her through the glass and beckoned her toward him. Against her better judgment, the girl went to the window and opened it. On the other side was an impeccably dressed man, riding boots, an embroidered doublet, hat with a feather in it, and a cape. He also had short blonde hair and was drop-dead gorgeous. He was everything the girl had ever read about in a book, but had never seen. She had never seen clothes so fine, never mind a man so handsome. But then reality and fear settled back in. Are you the landlord? Have you come to take me away like daddy said you would? The man smiled. Child, I am not the landlord. Do you not see where I am? The girl thought this a strange reply, but then realized what he meant. The girl thought this a strange reply, but then realized what he meant. The girl slept in a loft. There was a steep ladder up to her room. She was very much on a second story. And there was a man standing outside her window. Except she now realized he wasn't standing. He was flying. The girl gasped. "'Are you one of them?' she asked. "'Them' is a vague term. I'd rather not answer that. But I've come to ask you to come away with me for the night. If you stay with me, no harm will ever come to you, and I will return you home by morning. But my parents, your parents won't even know you're gone.' It seems insane that the girl would go with this stranger, and it went against everything her parents had tried to teach her, but she was aching for adventure. Any adventure. She had begged a frog for it only last week. And mysterious as this new figure was, he was definitely more adventurous than a frog. And he was flying. That surely made him more trustworthy than a landlord, right? <laughs> It wouldn't be hard. So the farmer's daughter took the stranger's hand and he carried her to the sky. Initially, the girl couldn't even open her eyes as they sailed across the countryside. But then she thought, when was she ever going to have this view again? And opened her eyes to the clear and bright night sky, the sleepy countryside below her, and the sound of nothing but the wind at her ears. The man did not speak on their journey. "'He merely occasionally glanced over at her to see her reactions. "'But soon the two travellers came to a fort on a hill. "'We're here,' he said. "'The girl had no concept of how far they had travelled, "'but it was certainly farther than she had ever known, "'and she had never seen a building so large. "'The man did not need to knock on a door "'or alert anyone of his presence.' The immense door opened as they landed before it. Of course, this young girl was easily surprised and impressed. She was, after all, excited by the sight of a frog. So the sight of the inside of this mighty fort nearly sent her into a genuine state of shock. Long corridors, rolled out carpet, and more candles lit than possibly seemed practical or safe. It was pure decadence, and the place was packed with people, people who all knew the stranger. More than that, they bowed to him as he passed. "'Is this your home?' the girl asked. "'You'll have a lot of questions at the end of tonight. I'd save the ones you ask now.' The girl knew he probably was right." The man then led the girl upstairs, to a room with the centerpiece of a large four-poster bed. Surrounding the four-poster was a gathering of people, and lying in the bed was a heavily pregnant woman. Go on, said the stranger to the young girl. Go and hold her hand. Timidly, the girl did as she was told. The woman in the bed squeezed her hand and cried out with the pangs of labor. Soon, though, it was over, and the woman had given birth. But when the girl went to look at the newborn, she was horrified to see that the baby was not alive. What was worse was that no one in the room seemed to be affected by this. In fact, it seemed to be what everyone was expecting to happen. But then the midwife took the baby over to the roaring fire and cast it into the flames. The girl was nearly sick. She could never have conceived such monstrosity. She wanted to scream at everyone in the room, but the stranger came over to her and placed a hand on her shoulder and calmed her. Wait, he said. As the fire roared and the newborn was incinerated to ash, the midwife left the room and returned with a healthy, brand new and very much alive baby. The baby was handed to the woman in the bed, and she wept tears of joy as if this had been the one she had given birth to. The young girl felt as if she was going insane. She was guided out of the room by the stranger. Next, the girl was brought to a banquet hall, laid out with a lavish and extravagant feast. The girl was famished, and the sights and smells of the food drove her wild with hunger, But she had read enough fairy stories to know one thing. Never eat the food of the fairy world, because if you do, you'll never leave. Hard as it was, the girl resisted as she watched the gathered assembly devour the feast. When the end of the evening came, and everyone prepared to leave, the strangest and most macabre ritual of all took place. At the front door, there was set up a stone basin, like the one containing holy water at the entrance to a Catholic church. The girl watched the midwife from the bedroom approach the basin with a shovel, a shovel full of ash. It was all that remained of the newborn baby. The ash was poured into the basin and stirred up with the water to make a grey, ashy paste, after which, most bizarre of all, As the guests were leaving, they would each approach the basin, dip their fingers in the mixture, and rub some on each of their eyes. What are they? The girl began, but then she remembered the man's advice about saving her questions. With everyone else doing the same, the girl thought she would be leaving too, but the man took her arm and said, Come, herself wants a word with you and the girl was guided back up to the bedroom, where the woman still lay in bed. "'Come closer, child,' she said. "'I am very grateful you were here to hold my hand in my time of need. "'I would like to reward you.' "'Oh, it's no trouble. There's no need,' began the girl. "'Nonsense,' interrupted the woman. "'A girl like you should be rewarded, so you have something to remind you of tonight.' The woman handed the girl a bag of gold and a beautiful diamond necklace. At least the girl assumed they were diamonds. Then the stranger said to the girl, It's time. The two companions left the room, went downstairs and headed for the door. As the girl was passing the basin with a mixture of water and baby ash, the girl thought she better do as the other did and dipped her finger and rubbed some on her left eye. But before she could do her right, the man grabbed her and said, There isn't time. Let's go. And taking her by the hand, pulled her out of the fort. Before they took flight again, the man asked, Did herself give you anything? The girl was hesitant to reply. You need to tell me if she gave you anything. Reluctantly, the girl produced the necklace. You aren't the first to be given that necklace. But if you want to live... You'll tie that necklace to the branch of that tree and leave it behind you. The girl thought this was extreme, and she was extremely reluctant to do so. She had never been given anything so beautiful. Her family was so poor, it would be such a wonderful gift for her mother. But like he had read her mind, the man said, If you want your mother to live, you'll do as I say. Quickly now. And so the girl took the necklace and tied it round the branch of the nearest tree. And as she turned around, suddenly there was a tremendous bolt of lightning from the sky. It struck the branch where the necklace was, and the tree burst into flames. "'See?' said the man with a smug smile. And he took the girl's hand, and they flew home. When they had reached her window again, the man asked the girl, "'Before I go, did herself give you anything else?' The girl was a bit more forthcoming now. She gave me this bag of gold. Oh, please don't tell me I must give that up too. You don't have to give it up. It won't explode on you. But you must spend every coin in that bag in three days. For after three days, each piece will turn to dried up leaves. And now, it's time for me to leave. Wait, said the girl. I've saved all my questions. Any question you have will not have the answer to your comprehension or satisfaction, my dear. I can guarantee that. Well, just one, a simple one. What is it? Are you the frog? The man chuckled softly. Don't believe everything you read in fairy tales, my dear. And he took flight and disappeared. Thank you, the girl called out to the night sky. The girl then burst into her parents' room with the bag of gold and told them everything that had happened. Just as well she had the bag to prove it, because even with evidence it was a wild and outrageous tale. But the parents loved and trusted their daughter and knew she was no thief. They also were clever enough to believe in the other folk. So over the next three days the family went on a spending spree. They bought cattle, a horse, they were even able to settle up with the landlord and secure the family farm in their name. And not a moment too soon, because the ink on the deed was not even dry when the fourth day came. All that was left in the bag had been two gold pieces, and on the fourth day there were two dead leaves. The landlord thought this was some kind of witch's trick, but the family had the deed, and there was nothing he could do. No longer impoverished or in fear of a wicked landlord preying on their child, the farmer's daughter was forever more free to roam around however she pleased. Her father would take her to markets every weekend, and a few months after her adventure, they were at a big major fair. The girl wandered around, taking in the sights and sounds, when who should she see but one of the guests from the fairy fort that night? She would have been too scared to approach that night but now she was delighted to see him. She began to wave. The man saw her wave and seemed very taken aback. Reluctantly, he began to approach. Hello there, said the girl. Good to see you again. You can see me, asked the man. Well, that's a funny thing to say. Of course I can see you. The man looked deep in her eyes. Can you see me with only your right eye? The girl closed her left eye and said, That's so strange. I can't see you now. And you never will again. And the man viciously poked the girl in the left eye, blinding her. She never saw out of that eye again. She had dallied with the fairies and come away the better for it. But without her strange and mysterious guardian to protect her, the other folk had finally got their own back. The end. And that was the dark and twisted and very gothic tale of the fairy frog on Fireside. There were so many allusions and reference points and just visuals that just came to my mind right from when i read this story first and i had a lot of fun adapting and i found my imagination really kind of running away i found uh, this was very much my own version of this first and foremost it feels very grim And I mean that with 1M and 2Ms, as they often are, it's very much like a grim tale. First of all, from the name, the Fairy Frog, you know, you think of the Frog Princess, and it feels like a, a twist on that, and it feels very structured as a fairy tale. That's why I kind of decided to not set it in any specific place, to not get a very specific name. It seemed quite general, so I kind of liked the idea of this one being anywhere Sometimes I like rooting it in the very specific villages and counties that these stories come from, but I think a lot of these stories actually do come from County Clare, which is where, which is where obviously uh, the last one we did on about, or was it the one before when we did the story of the vicious, the vicious fairies, and how the fairies became vicious? That was very much a Clare story. But yes, and also with such a, a bleak. A bleak storyline and very much bleak ending, but we get such a dark insight into fairy customs, and it's always great being in the actual fairy world. But in terms of this tall, this tall stranger as well, this tall stranger is very. It it feels very Pans labyrinth, you know that like which obviously is its own modern spanish twist on grim fairy tales itself and of folklore um, you can see guillermo del toro's absolute obsession with with folklore and storytelling across all of his work and no more so than in his absolute masterpiece pan's labyrinth which if anyone hasn't seen if you are interested in folklore or fantasy or just anything watch it it's i it, it i think it's possibly one of the it's well it's definitely one of the greatest um uh subtitle films i've ever watched it's certainly my favorite Um, it's absolutely magnificent it's it is quite not it's not scary but uh the main villain in it who actually isn't a fairy tale character is one of the most sinister characters in film it's set all during uh the fascist the fascist reign of franco in the spanish civil war it's a brilliant landscape for this really twisted and mythic world but that's what this figure and these imageries images kind of uh, remind me of it reminds me of uh, of the little girl going into this other world that is very much a fantasy world but is a dark one and the character himself this tall figure reminds me of uh, of jared from uh from Labyrinth, from uh, the the Jim Henson Labyrinth, which was kind of, I tried to make him a kind of Irish David Bowie kind of figure there. Except, of course, that uh, our our Jareth here is uh, is more of a benevolent force and is protecting the girl as much as he can. There's also something quite self-aware about this story, which I like, in that you have a girl who only knows the fairy world from stories and is quite versed on the fairy world and knows not not to eat the food. And there's something I really like about that and about the sheltered life and her longing for other adventure. Those are all elements that I really, really always like in stories. Yes, you have this, and you have this custom, which is bizarre, of the whole baby thing of the baby being burnt and then the ashes being mixed in with the water and that rubbing this this uh, treatment on your eyes keeps your vision for other fairies it's interesting to see that obviously this would work on mortals and this is how mortals would be able to see people in the other world but it's interesting that a lot of these figures obviously are fairies at least banquet if not all of them and that they still rub this treatment on their eyes possibly just to lure the girl in um, or possibly that fairies do need to rub this on their eyes to even see each other that they can't just automatically see their own species it, it raises so many questions that it doesn't answer but it raises them in a lovely way because obviously it doesn't affect the story itself it just... Just adds to this weird and wonderful tapestry of this fairy world, and I found this one of the most fully realized stories, and it was a it was a joy to adapt because I felt I could really let my imagination go with it, and there's definitely all of the bones are there from the the version that I was reading, but I've changed a a, a good few bits in it. Uh, in the version I read, for example, uh, the man just comes to the door on a horse and he just knocks on the door and asks the parents can he take their daughter away and they're kind of powerless to refuse him which I didn't really like as much I liked the idea of it being a more Peter Panny, y the Goblin King kind of thing where it was entirely the girl's story and that it was less dark from that point of view and yeah, in the story she kind of never re- references the frog again and I suppose yeah, it's we're led to believe that he is this this very frog, particularly because it's the title of the story. Uh, but I wanted to kind of reference it a few more times to kind of have the the running motif of it. But I think that's I think that'll do us do us for this week. Yeah, that's about time now. Um, I really hope you enjoyed this one. Yeah, this was a different and really standalone one. This'll this will go down as one of my favorites, I think. And I, the fact that I do say that a good bit is a good sign that I do still like these stories that I pick out. So thank you so much for joining us again. If that was your first episode, I hope you enjoyed it. Go back to the BNNC, we're building them up too. Follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Come along to Fireside Sessions on the 10th of April here in the podcast network, uh, in the podcast studios. at Headstuff stuff in Dublin too. Get uh, your tickets at eventbrite.ie for slash Fireside Sessions. Look that up on Google and come and join us for an evening of tales, tunes and a tipple. It is BYOB. So you can come, listen to tunes, listen to stories, have a few drinks, have a bit of crack. Uh, thanks so much to our Alan and Paddy, to all our Patreon supporters, uh, to Jamie, my producer for continuing to edit this podcast. And thank you all for listening. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time round the fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.